can go ahead and take a seat. My name is Alex. I serve as one of the pastors here at City Light South. Good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, as you guys uh, maybe are aware, uh, last week Ricky started a, a new sermon series for us. We This is something we actually do every year. We walk through our core values as a church. So we've got these four core values that we say these are things we're going to pursue. This is who we are. This is who we hope Jesus continues to change us and transform us to be and look like as a church family. So last week started, uh, Ricky started us with down. Our, our four core values are directional arrows. So down, the, the gospel that Jesus came down for us, that he paid the price for our sin, he resurrected from the dead and defeated sin and death and the power that it has over us. And ultimately, that core value of down flows into everything else. That one is literally the most important thing. It is central. If you take out down, the rest of these really don't matter at all. And so down is the one that we look to. We look to Christ. We're gospel center. We pursue Jesus in all that we do. He is the forefront of who we are as a church. So then we flow into the next core value, which we're talking about this morning, is up. And what we mean by up is spiritual formations. We look up and respond to what God has done for us. We respond to the grace that he's given to us because the reality is when we hear the gospel, when we understand that we've been saved from our sin, when we understand that there's a God who's pursued us, who's cared for us, who's ran after us, who's defeated sin and death for us, it changes us. It transforms who we are. And so ultimately, when we think of up, we think of spiritual formation might be another way to say it, and being changed and transformed. And when we think of up here at South, what I mean by that is that we would be a people who are so in awe of God, that we would be a people who would be so captivated by the understanding of the good news of the gospel, that it would change the way that we think and it would change the way that we act in every aspect of life. That we would be spiritually formed into the image of Christ. That the good news of Jesus would continue to saturate our hearts and our minds and lead us to continue to walk out the faith. So, this morning we're going to dive into Galatians chapter 5 to read about two competing desires. Two competing desires and where they come from and how we then could be continually transformed into the image of Christ. So the big idea this morning, the big idea this morning is that we win the battle by dying. We win the battle by dying. So uh, read with me uh, to see our first point that uh, our battle is for our, or the battle is for our desires. So I'm going to read verses uh, 16 through 18 again. Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 18, it says this. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. First point, just again, uh, the battle is a battle for our desires. So up until this point in uh, the book of Galatians, Paul's been reminding the church in Galatia uh, of what Christ has really done for them. 
over and over again, he continues to point them towards the true gospel because there were some things happening in the life of their church where they're talking about works and, and trying to earn their salvation or uh, saying that there's a hierarchy to the different heritages and genealogies and where they come from and their family lines. And ultimately, Paul, throughout this whole letter, is pointing them back to Jesus to say, hey, the whole reason that you have salvation for eternity with God is because of what Christ has done for you. Over and over, he repeats that, and that gets us to chapter 5, verse 16, where we're uh, sitting in this passage where he starts talking about uh, walking by the Spirit, and if you walk by the Spirit, you're not going to have the desires of the flesh, and he continues on to talk about how the desires of the flesh are opposed to the ones of the Spirit, and that gets us kind of asking the two questions are, okay, so... What's the spirit? What's the flesh? What are desires? What does that all mean? And so when we think of the, the spirit of God, I, I think that in our Western uh, world, we often think of the spirit of God as some Christian superpower or some force that we're able to muster up whenever we want, or it just kind of comes and goes and does whatever. And we, we don't really understand what exactly the Spirit of God, who He is, and what He's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And ultimately, it comes back to understanding that the Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity. We worship a triune God. And He fills us, He dwells in our hearts when we come to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. When we come to faith in Christ, we are literally filled with God himself. He comes and he takes over our hearts. He continues to captivate us and point us ultimately always back to Jesus. In fact, Jesus in the gospel of John, he talks about how he's going to leave. And as he's talking about how he's leaving, he says, it's better that I go and that you receive the spirit than if I stay. It's better that I go and that you would receive the Spirit. How wild is that to think about? Because when I think of my, my faith, I'm, I'm like, man, it would just be way easier if Jesus was like physically right here with me. But he says, it's better that I go so that I would fill you, so that my Spirit would fill you and that you would continually be walking and be led by the Spirit. So the Spirit isn't some force or some Christian superpower, but he is God who dwells within us as believers in Christ Jesus. That is who the Spirit is. So when he's talking about keeping in step with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, he's talking about God himself who is in us daily as we think of our Christian walk in life, that we continue to meditate on what he's doing in our hearts as he transforms us. Now, when he contrasts it with the flesh, he's not talking about like our physical bodies, but he's talking about our, our, our fallen sin nature. Author John Mark Comer, he defines the flesh this way. He defines it as uh, desires that drive towards self-gratification and a need for control. Desires that drive towards self-gratification and a need for control. So a simple way to kind of think about it is us doing what we want to do. Uh, us being our own God. It's believing that we are better than God or the things that we're desiring and trying to take in are better than God himself. It, 
And so he starts contrasting these two, and he says, if you're walking by the Spirit, you will deny the flesh. But if you're in the flesh, you're denying the Spirit. It's this battle that these two butt heads, they don't go together. They are opposites, and it's a a war that's going on in our own hearts. And so as he starts talking about these opposing sides and how they continue to fight each other, verse 17, he starts talking about how, well, you're not going to do what you want if you're walking by the Spirit. And it makes me start thinking about the Apostle Paul and how he even struggled with his own sin and what was going on in his own heart. And it took me to Romans chapter 7, verse 15, where Paul starts to talk about this similar thing. In Romans 7, 15, Paul says, For I do not understand what I'm doing, because I, don't, I, I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And you feel the tension within that. You feel the tension with this battle that happens in our hearts. Because the Spirit of God, when we're walking with him, we're led by God himself. And when we're walking in the flesh, we're led by our fallen sin nature. They're opposed to each other. And it's the same kind of thought. And I'm sure that many of you have that same thing in your own hearts. There's different moments where you feel this tension of, I want to do what I want. But I know that God has something else. I know that he's leading me to make a different decision. And there's these moments where the flesh just creeps in just a little bit. And we start to believe some lies and we see the opposing sides. And we want to walk in the flesh at different times. But at the same time, we're reminded, the Spirit prompts us to, reminds us to walk towards holiness, to walk in obedience to who God is and what he's done. And we're reminded of the grace that's given to us in Jesus. Because ultimately, the whole thing that drives us forward is exactly what Ricky talked about last week, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I I always look back to Galatians 2. Verse 20, uh, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because of what Christ has done, I know that I'm new. I know that I'm transformed. I know that I have this new life that was given to me all by grace. Nothing that I earned, nothing that I did. And that's what continues to propel me forward to remember that verse 18 is true. That I'm no longer under the law. That that I'm led by the Spirit. That I have grace that's been just poured out over me. And I've been forgiven of my sin. And God continues to do a work in my own heart. And as I think of this internal battle that happens in in my heart personally, daily, in all of our hearts, I think of Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul starts talking about this this war that's happening. Ephesians 6, verse 12, Paul says that, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. We're fighting lies. We're fighting the enemy. We're fighting the things of this world. We're fighting in our own hearts mainly. There's this internal spiritual war that's happening. 
And there's two desires that are fighting for our attention. One's from God, and he's pointing us towards himself, and the other's the flesh for self-gratification, right? For, for our own desires of the things of this world. So over and over again, just in these three verses, he contrasts the two, but he uses this word desire to talk about it. He uses the desires of the world. And ultimately, when we start thinking about desires, desires are ultimately a good gift from God that he's given to us. But the flesh has corrupted them. Our sin has, has corrupted them because we've been greedy with them. We've wanted to overconsume them. We've taken them further than they should be. We take them before we should take them. And we just continue to lift those things up higher than God. Jackie Hill Perry, who's an author, she writes and talks about how we have taken what God declared good and we've made it God. You just take one of the O out of it. And it, it, when I first read that, I was kind of mind blown because the reality is that's, that's really what we do with all the things that we continue to consume and take over and take in is we make it God. We put it on a pedestal. We say, it is greater than you are, Jesus. And we give in to the flesh. We choose that over him. And we pursue it way too far. It's kind of like this. If you're wanting to be generous whether it's your finances or your time, and you've got some free time in the evenings, or maybe you just got to raise at work, whatever it is, your generosity can easily get corrupted. Because you're sitting there, and it's Wednesday night, you've got it free, and you're thinking, man, I'm going to start using Wednesdays to maybe invest in someone else's life or to serve somebody in the community or whatever it is. And then you turn on Netflix, and you just start going, hmm, Sitting at home sounds pretty good. Our, our self-gratification starts to kick in. Or with the finances, right? You start thinking, oh, I got a new raise. I want to be a little more generous in different ways. And then you see the commercial for the new iPhone, and you're like, oh, I can afford that because I got a raise. And our self-idolatry starts to creep in, and materialism starts to take over our desire to be generous with our finances. Or maybe you desire to be a good steward of your talents, right? The talents that God has given to you. But then you start to enjoy the praise that you get from utilizing the talents. Like you originally start to use them for God's glory, and then people start saying, hey, oh, wow, you're really gifted in that area. You're doing a great job in that area. And the whole time it starts to be about your own ego or it starts to be about the approval of people rather than glorification of God. You see how our desires ultimately are rooted in good, but we've corrupted them with our sin. We've corrupted them with our flesh. And slowly our desires start to be about us rather than about worshiping and praising God. And there's these two opposing sides back and forth that we read about here, the spirit of the flesh, one that we've been indwelt by, God himself, by a grace that he continues to point us towards himself, and the other is one that wants to point towards us, that where we want to lift ourselves up. So how do we know how we're doing in this battle? How do we know where we're going? How do we know if we're actually following and keeping in step and being led by the spirit, or if we're giving into the flesh? Well, let's keep reading. Verses 19 to 23. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Second point, question, how's your battle going? Because all of us have this internal battle that's happening in our hearts and in our minds, right? So the second point is how is our battle going? As we look at verse 19, we start to see this list of different sins that Paul is calling out. And I love that he just says, uh, he says, by the way, uh, the works of the flesh are obvious, he doesn't say that with the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see how he just counteracts the two of them. But hey, at this kind of end of this section, he reminds them, hey, I'm, it's anything similar to this. So it's not that this list is exhaustive. If you go read Romans 1 and read a list of sin that Paul has there, there's a couple of different things added into there. But he says anything similar to these are things of the flesh. It's works of the flesh that come from actually giving in to the desires of the flesh, giving in to our own, uh, our own selves, our self-gratification. And, and as we think of this list, and as I read this list, the honest truth is that all of us probably walked through this list and we thought, I've done that. I'm currently doing that. This is what my life has looked like at different times. And I'm positive that each and every single one of us has walked through that because we're all fallen. We've all fallen into sin. Maybe it's different ones that you've particularly struggled with more, but ultimately all of us have stepped into some of these at one time or another or continue to even today. And Paul ends this with a warning. He ends this section with a warning. He says, I'm warning you as I've warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Big claim. That sounds terrifying. Like, I look at this list and I'm like, hmm, definitely idolatrous yesterday, this morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've been selfish already, probably today. Mm-hmm. Don't inherit the kingdom of God. Mm, thanks, Paul. That sounds really encouraging. So we have this tension here, this wrestle as we think of this. And the truth is, there's a difference between struggling and there's a difference with actually giving over and letting it take you captive and being ruled by something. If you read the end of, of verse 21 again, listen to how he says it. He says, those who practice such things. Not those who struggle with, not those who fall into every once in a while and continually fight, but those who practice such things. Now, a practice, another way to maybe think of it, is a habit, 
right? You make a habit of doing it. It's something that continues to happen. So there's a difference between something you've struggled with in the past or something you continually hope to fight off and something that you habitually go to over and time and time again. So I want to give us three questions to actually process our own hearts and to see how we're doing in terms of our our own battle with the works of the flesh and, and walking towards the spirit. Three questions. I stole these from another city like pastor and I heard them and I was just like, oh, that's really good. I'm going to use that. Um, So I did tell him, by the way. Uh, So first question, is it consistent? Is it consistent? So what I mean by that is, are you doing it repeatedly? Maybe once, more than once in a day. Is it something you come back to every day or every week and you just continue to repeat it time and time and time again? Is it consistent? Second question, is it concealed? Is it something you hide? or you haven't told anybody, or if they found out, you wouldn't want them to know? Is it concealed? Is it something that you continually try to keep in your own heart, in the own darkness of your own selfish desires, and you conceal it? Third question, are you calloused to it? And I think this one's the biggest one. Are you calloused to it? What I mean by that, you don't even care. It doesn't even bother you that you fall into it. You don't think there's anything wrong with it. Your heart's not broken over your sin. You're not grieved by it. So those are the three questions to kind of filter with as you think through and distinguish, man, the the works of the flesh versus like struggling with an area of sin in your life. Because Paul here gives the big claim that if you practice these things, if they're a habit... If you can answer yes to all those questions, it's consistent, I keep it hidden, and I don't really care that I do it. There's a warning in there, a harsh warning in there, that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that warning is not something to be taken lightly. And I want to give you the same warning. If you have a profession of faith, If you've called yourself a Christian, but you're callous to your sin, and you don't even care that you walk in it, man, I want to give you that same warning that there's, that's a really dangerous spot to be in. It's a really scary, terrifying point where I just hope that you would see the grace of Jesus. That you would see that there's a God who deeply loves you, cares for you, desires for you to know him, and openly wants you to come to him freely as a free gift. Not you trying to make yourself better, to muster up the strength, to do it away, to push it away, and make sure you're cleaned up before you actually go to him. But there is a free gift of grace that Jesus was crucified for our sin. And he's openly willing to forgive it. Time and time and time again, there is no sin that the cross can't handle because the flesh was put on the cross, nailed to the cross, done, over, accomplished. Jesus stomped on it, destroyed it, and rose from the grave. That is a good gift that we have. And I hope that you would be brokenhearted over the sin in your life so that you would turn to the King of Kings and that you would remember the grace and the mercy that you have because of what he has done. I want to point you to that good gift.
Now, the next section talks about the encouraging part, uh, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And so as we look at this list, we clearly see that they're opposites, right? The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, they don't go hand in hand, right? It's this internal battle again. They're clashing sides where they just fight each other. And we see this fruit of the Spirit, and it's an amazing list. It's an amazing list. But as I look at this list, it's not something that I do. It's who, it's who I would be, right? Like, th- this is stuff that is internal in my own heart, right? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all characteristics that, that come from within. And ultimately, that's what God wants, our hearts. He wants us to be stirred up for him in our hearts, so as we think of this list, I, I beg the question, how do I get this? <laughs> because I could be completely honest with you. I'm not gentle, and I don't have a ton of self-control when you've got a plate of brownies in front of me. <laughs> like, <sighs> so I go to chapter 6, and I go to verse 8, and I read verse 8, and I'm greatly encouraged by the truth there. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Do you, you hear the contrast? The one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction. The one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life. What good news. What good, gracious news. And it's simple to just say, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. So we receive the Spirit, we're the fruit of the Spirit, by meeting with Jesus, by meeting with the Spirit, by being with Him, by continually walking with God Himself, sitting, meeting with Him, praying with Him, having Him truly change our hearts, because there's nothing I can do to change my heart. I've tried. I literally tried it last night while I was in bed. I was frustrated about something, and I was angry, and I was sitting there, and I was thinking, man, why am I so angry? Why am I so annoyed? Why am I so frustrated? And I sat there, and I'm like, oh, just be gentle, Alex. Don't have outbursts of anger. Kind of just sitting in bed like that. I literally was doing that. I was like, and that's kind of like when it dawned on me. Spirit of God just kind of smacked me in the face and was like, you need that sermon way more than probably the people in that room. And it's true. Because I, I can't do it myself. And so as I think of having the fruit of the Spirit, which I deeply desire, these are the greatest desires of my heart, that I would worship Jesus, that he would change me, and that I would look like Jesus to the rest of the world so that they would look at the hope that I have and that I could tell them about it. Those are my greatest desires. But there's times where there's other desires like outbursts of anger. There's other desires like a lack of self-control. There's other desires like frustration that I want to give into. But ultimately, my deepest desire is to actually have the fruit of the Spirit be a part of my life. And so as I think of the fruit of the Spirit, I'm reminded that this is not something that God owes me. This is a gift that he gives to me. 
And as I'm pondering on like this, the fruit of the Spirit and, and how I receive them, the, the truth of the matter is, is, is it's by meeting with Him. It's, it's by actually sitting with Him and asking Him to change my own heart, to change our hearts, that we would look more like Him. And we do these by practicing these spiritual disciplines. But before we get into talking about spiritual disciplines, I want to give us the encouragement that the reminder is God's not going to give you 20 gentleness points because you read your Bible seven days this week. But he just wants to be with you. And that's where the change happens. In the silent moments where I'm stirred up by the affection of what Jesus has done for me. The Spirit of God uses his word to truly transform my heart. To really point me back to him. And sometimes I treat it like a game. Sometimes I treat it like I'm trying to buy things from God. Like I'm trying to buy the different fruit. I don't even like fruit. (laughs) So a couple different spiritual disciplines, the main ones... The two main ones that I really want to talk about are reading scripture and prayer. Being in God's word and in prayer. And, and if you're in the room and you've never read the Bible before, if you're terrified to open this thing up or you're worried that you're not going to know how to read it or it's going to have words you don't understand and you're kind of nervous to dive into it, welcome to the club. Every time I open it up, I come away with questions that I can't answer. Every single time. But here's the good news. There's a room full of people here who want to ask those questions with me. Ask somebody. Say, hey, I've never read my Bible before. Would you start reading it with me? Would you help me try to understand some of these things? If you're too nervous to talk to somebody else, there's the connection cards. Fill it out. Put it in the giving box on your way out of here. And we'll hopefully get you connected to a group of people to dive into God's word together. Because ultimately, it's time in his word that continues to remind us of who he is, what he's done, instructs us how to live. This is truth that we fight the lies with. Because the world feeds us a bunch of lies. I feed myself a bunch of lies. I tell myself, hmm, if I don't make sure I say the right thing, people aren't going to think I'm a good pastor. If I don't make sure I have like the newest technology, people are going to think I'm not cool and lame. I feed myself those lies, but ultimately I'm reminded that my, the approval that I have is not because I've done anything, not because I've written some quippy sermon, but it's because of what Jesus has done for me. And when the father looks at me, he sees his son. I'm reminded that the things, that the things of this world are going to turn into rust and be destroyed, but I have eternal riches in heaven with Jesus himself. Like that's the truth that I fight the lies with when I read scripture. And that's why we spend time in it. Because we're encouraged by what he's doing. We're pointed to the lies. We're rebuked by the things we think. Because ultimately truth comes from him. And so as you think of reading scripture and meditating on it, I think sometimes we make it seem like it's this big, scary, hard thing. And it can be hard but it's hard for different reasons. It's hard because it reminds us of our own sin. And when we spend time in it, we're also 
ultimately reminded of the grace given to us because the scripture points to Jesus. All the scriptures point to Jesus. And when I see Jesus, I'm reminded of what he's done for me. And I'm filled with awe. And I have this huge desire that he would continue to transform me. Prayer. I'll keep going quickly because I'm getting long-winded. Prayer is another major way that we just sit with Jesus. We all did it together in the room. We, We all just sat for a moment and we gave our dependence over to him. Because in prayer, when we ask, what we're saying is that we can't do it. And it's in the, the, the spaces where we actually speak to God and we invite him into the things. of. It's not like he doesn't know, but it'd be like a father watching their child kind of walk around the house for a day, see him fall, bumps and bruises, be rude to the siblings. Like you as a parent visually see all of it, but there's something beautiful when your kid walks up to you and says, I'm really struggling with being kind to my, ki- my siblings. Oh, man, I, I fell down and it hurt. You know it, but there's those moments when they come to you that it, it's just so raw and beautiful. And it's the same thing when we meet with our Father. It's the same thing when we ask the Spirit of God in our hearts to continue to change us and make us more like Jesus. It's the same thing when we beg God to do a good work in our hearts. We just sit with the King of Kings. He's open to hear us. We'll never annoy him. We'll never frustrate him with how much we go to him. That's amazing. I, I think of families who've got multiple kids, like four, five, six kids, and I'm like, man, that's so much talking. I would be like, <laughs> I'd be overstimulated. Like, I'd be like, I mean, I need to like go to the bathroom and just close the door. God doesn't get that way. He's not going to the toilet in heaven. Like, that's not what the throne uh, God is, you know. Uh, and if there's something, if there's something as you read this list of uh, works of the flesh, and you're really struggling with it, and you're really just frustrated and brokenhearted over the sin that keeps creeping up into your heart, if you're really just frustrated with the, 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 the addiction to pornography or the outbursts of anger or, or the, the, the just amount of hatred you have for people in your heart, I want you to be challenged in such a way to whatever it is that you're fighting to go find a verse that fights that lie. If, it, if it's pornography and you're trying to escape into pleasure or whatever it is that you're fighting with that, go find a piece of scripture that shows you how much greater Jesus is than anything else in this world. If you're frustrated and you have these outbursts of anger all the time, go to Matthew chapter 11 where it talks about how Jesus is gentle and lowly at heart. And you're just reminded of that grace. And so you ask Jesus, would you continue to do that in my heart? Would I look more like you? And memorize that verse. So that way, every time the lie creeps up, you fight it with truth. You fight it with the good news. And the spirit will bring it to your mind over and over again to remind you to fight. Because we're all in a battle. 
It's, it's spiritual warfare. John Mark Homer, he calls spiritual disciplines spiritual uh, warfare because when we practice our spiritual disciplines, we're fighting the flesh. We're fighting the desires of our flesh when we're practicing and sitting with Jesus. And re- prayer and reading scripture aren't the only ones. Silence and solitude, fasting. There's a bunch of things that you can do to continue to meet with God so that he would transform you time and time again. We hope that we would be more in awe of God. But at the same time, we also hope that we would be more in awe of ourselves. Would we beg the Spirit to do something in our hearts to point us back to him? That's what we mean by spiritual formation, that we'd be more captivated by the God of the universe who has done an amazing work in our own hearts. So how do we know when there's victory? How do we know when when there's victory? Let's keep reading. Uh, Last section. All right, verse 24. Now those who, have be- those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So final point, victory in death. Victory in death. Paul continues on, starts to close out this section with talking about how we're crucified, how Jesus has crucified the flesh with its passions, with its desires. And, and I love that good news. That Jesus has crucified our flesh. Taken to the cross. Done. It's over. The battle's won. But I go back to verse 25. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And as I think of living by the Spirit, I, I think of the new life that I have in Christ. Because my old life, I lived by wanting whatever I want. I did whatever I did when I wanted to, right? But when I think of living by the Spirit, I'm reminded that I've been completely changed because he was crucified for me. I think of the new life that I have in Jesus, and because of that, I want my whole life to be living by the Spirit because he's given me the Spirit that dwells within me, that God is with me every single waking moment of the day, and even as I sleep, he is present. He is there. And when I think of keeping in step with the Spirit, I kind of think of like military, you know, like boot camp, and they're, I don't know why they do it, but I should have researched it. But I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm, and I'm thinking, man, as I think of every step that I take, as I walk down the street, as I'm going to my car, whatever it is, wow, what would it be like if I kept in step with the Spirit side by side? Not me walking in front of him, not me trying to chase him behind him, but he's right next to me. What would it look like if I kept in step with the Spirit? And sometimes I think we do fall out of step and we start to drift a little bit back into our flesh. And there's these different things that we struggle with and we fight. And there's different times where ultimately when we start to drift, we feel down. We feel defeated. We feel like, we, like God is far from us, like he's angry at us. He's wagging his little finger at us, and he's angry, and we're totally just empty. And we feel at an absolute loss. And in those moments, I want you to fight with the truth that Jesus paid for that sin. He took the death that you deserve. He said it's finished. He meant it. He was nailed to the cross, put in the tomb, and three days later, he walked right out of it. He was victorious. He was victorious by dying for us. And he continues to have victory today. 
He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And verse 24 reminds me of the great news of what Jesus has done for me and for you, that my entire life is his, that I belong to him, that I've been redeemed by him, made new by him because he's crucified my sin. He took that payment. And the crucifixion ultimately was something that was done to the worst of people, the worst of situations and cases, murderers. People who continue to just do the worst of things. And as I think of of the crucifixion and the cross that he took, the ultimate payment that was just brutal, he had victory in that. That victory came from his death. It's the exact opposite of what we would think, but he came to life because the Spirit resurrected and brought him to life. He defeated sin and death and had victory on that cross. When he was nailed to it, it wasn't just his physical body that was nailed to the cross, but it was the sin of our flesh. Our own flesh nailed to the cross. He's defeated it. It's done. It's over with. So as we think of our walk with Christ and keeping in step with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, it makes me think of Luke chapter 9 where Jesus says, carry your cross daily. Carry your cross daily. And I'm reminded, man, to fight my sin the way that Jesus took it to the cross. To see my sin as the worst of sinners. To see my sin as murderers, to be absolutely gut-wrenching, disgusted by the terrible things that I want and the self-gratification, and I want to nail it to the cross just as Jesus was nailed to the cross for me, and I want to put it away. I want it to be done, gone, over with, and I just want to look more like Christ. So I want to encourage us to remember Galatians 2. 220, where it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith. I live by faith in the God who came for me, who gave his life for me so that I could have eternal life with him. That's the life I want to live. By the faith in Christ that I have, I want to walk by the Spirit because of how he's continued to pursue me, even though I continue to run away from him. Time and time again, I want to pursue Jesus, and it's a declaration for me to crucify my flesh so that I would walk by the Spirit, that I would fight the lies by meeting with him in Scripture. And ultimately, when we think of all of those spiritual disciplines, it's ultimately just us asking the Spirit to do it for us. Because if I think, if I sit there and think, I'm going to fight my sin by me going to read the Bible. What did I need a Savior then for? I just made it all about me. But when I'm reminded that it is not I who has victory over my sin. It is not I who continues to to fight the things of the flesh. I'm not the one who's reminded, oh my gosh, that's a bad thing. It's the Spirit opening my eyes to the desires of the flesh. And when I give that over to him, I die a little bit, right? I kill off my flesh. It is I who die and Christ who lives in me. It is I who continue to kill off my sin, or that the Spirit kills off the sin, so that I could live with him for all eternity. We have victory in our death by meeting with God and asking the Spirit to do the transformational work. We have great victory. 
because we're reminded of what he's done. So praise God that we have a God who was crucified for us so that we wouldn't have to earn our salvation, so that we wouldn't have to try and muster up strength, so that we wouldn't have to beg him to let us in. But we're welcomed home because of ultimately what he's done. And he's not just out there present waiting for us. Hey, I'll see you when I return. But he dwells within our hearts each and every day. And we live by the Spirit because he's been crucified for our sin. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the great victory that we get to have because of what you've done. I thank you for the amazing gift that you just didn't leave us here longingly waiting for you, but you dwell within our hearts. Jesus, I thank you for the gift of your spirit that you, that it was better for you to go and for us to have you daily within our hearts that we would be filled by the spirit, that we would be indwelt by the spirit, that we would walk by the spirit, that we would keep in step with the spirit. Jesus, I pray that your salvation that you've given to us would remind us of the amazing gift that we have the opportunity to fight our sin because of what you've done by the power of the spirit in us. Spirit of God, I pray that you would guide us and move in our hearts and and stir us up to the affections of who you are and ultimately point us back to Jesus so that we would continue to fight. Would we give over our sin to you? Would you crucify it? Would we see great victory in continuing to, to kill off our sin and to live eternally with you? We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen.